Welcome to the Bucky Cast, folks. John, along with Will and Rob, it's we're we're on the cusp of week weekend zero, week zero in NCAA football, which marks the start of the year. I kind of like they call it week zero. It makes it sound more mysterious. We all know it's week one, but come on. Uh, volleyball is also going to kick off. The Bad- Badger women's volleyball, much anticipated uh, defense of their national championship, kicks off this upcoming week. And we also have some men's and women's soccer going on, some good women's soccer news to to tell you this week. You know, John, it is it is Nebraska, so it's really kind of play-in week, uh, <laughs> play, play into the regular season. <laughs> yep, you know, it's, it's the exhibition, it's the exhibition <laughs> season. They're playing another bad team from Illinois, and they're doing it overseas in Dublin, so... We'll see how that turns out. I won't tell anyone which way we're rooting. Um, honestly, I, I think uh, you know when it comes to Northwestern, I just I can't hate the nerds. I just can't hate them. No. But um, you know, Nebraska, I, I'm starting to pity quite a bit. <laughs> uh, I just want their fans to have something to be happy about. And Northwestern was pretty terrible last year. Nebraska has, of course, won their fifth straight off season. Well, they were the best three and nine team in the country last year. They were of three and nine teams. They gave everybody trouble. I say that both seriously and with just loads of sarcasm. So, so anyway, we'll get to all of that. Let's launch right into it. All right. We're going to do our uh, beer roundtable here. Rob, what are you drinking tonight? All right. I have an Amber Ale called uh, from Milwaukee Brewing called Louis Demise. Oh, the old classic Louis Demise. Yep. And it is one of the darker beers that I've had. And so I guess I'm making my journey into the dark side of beer now. You haven't made your journey into the dark side of beer until you, you are. You didn't you have a milkshake. I did I, have a milkshake. I think this is darker than milkshake, isn't it? Well, it was a milkshake IPA, so I guess, yeah, it would be. But wait until you get into your peanut butter porters and stuff like that. I do have a porter on tap for next week, so we'll All see. All right. <laughs> Louis Demise. I don't I don't know of anybody who hasn't had a Louis Demise in southern Wisconsin. It's a pretty popular amber. So what do you think of it, Rob? It is uh, quite tasty, actually. Pretty good. It does. It does only... It does only fill half of my beer stein, though. <laughs> yeah. God, God help us if you ever feel that fill that whole beer stein. We're gonna we're gonna have problems uh, recording by the end of the session. It's pretty massive. Wait till you well, see the predictions are... then. Oh boy! <laughs> well, they better all come true. Can't wait. Will, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking a special pilsner. It's from, from what I can tell, a relatively new brewery called saturday beer or saturday beer company um they label themselves as a young blood beer company vibe so it's made in madison i'm not sure about the specifics like i don't know if this is uh like a subsidiary of young blood beer company i don't know if this is just made um from some of their friends or employees just an actual side product project they got going on but something kind of learned about last week I grabbed a six-pack of their pilsner and ipa and having a pilsner today very drinkable, very enjoyable. Add that to our action items. We got to figure out what that, what's going on there. I don't want you drinking yeah. bootleg beer on our podcast. <laughs> that's, a, it's, that's a fair, that's fair. Yeah, I'll get on that. 
I'm asking you to investigate beer. You should no, no, okay. Oh no. <laughs> yep. Will's horrified. Uh, I myself tonight am drinking uh, a Cherry Bluff Sour from Vintage Brewing Company in Sauk Prairie, Wisconsin. The Vintage is located all over the place in Madison, but they opened a really nice brewery that sits looking over the Wisconsin River in Sauk Prairie. It's really nice. Good food. Uh, they have their own special beers there, and one of them is this Cherry Bluff Sour. Now, I normally wouldn't drink a sour. I don't like sours very much. But I developed a little bit of a taste, kind of a craving for them after Great Taste of the Midwest. Um, the cool thing about sours is they're very easy to drink as long as you don't mind. Like, Because I love Sour Patch Kids, so I have no problem with sour beers. The other problem with them is it's like drinking a Sour Patch Kids soda. It, it doesn't always work. Because I know there's alcohol content. I know this is a beer. And yet at the same time, it's, it's kind of like a... a I don't know, one of those seltzer drinks at the same time. I'll, I'll, I would rate this one like, you know, middle of the road. It's not very sour. It's not mouth puckeringly sour. On that note, let's go ahead and launch into Wisconsin football. And we want to talk first. Uh, for those of you who don't listen, and there may be a few of you out there who've never listened to the Bucky Cast before. Uh, this year, we vowed to go to some high school football games. Rob and I went to the uh, Waukesha Catholic Memorial versus Franklin game. It was in Franklin, or at Franklin, I should say. And we went there specifically because there were two players the Badgers had offered directly already, um, and that's Catholic Memorial's uh, Donovan Harbor, who is an offensive lineman. And Corey Smith, who is a tailback, also from Catholic Memorial. Uh, those two guys are both actually rated, I think, as top 100 prospects, or at least I think Corey Smith might be top 150. I know Donovan Harbor's top 100. And then there are also a couple of other guys who are considered to be strong D1 prospects. Terrence Shelton, who is from Franklin. He is going to be a, uh, a 2024 prospect. And then from Catholic Memorial, 2025 prospect, Owen Strebig, who's another offensive lineman. Rob, um, I don't know about you. The first thing that I noticed when we uh, got to our viewing position was Catholic Memorial's offensive line was huge. And Harbor and Strebing, Strebing alone, I think we spent the first 20 minutes trying to figure out just how big he was. Yeah, absolutely. He was... I mean, we Donovan Harbor is a, is, a, is a big boy, but uh, Strebig stood, I think, at least I'll say an inch to to two inches taller than um, than Donovan. So the two of them lined up on the left side. Uh, Strebig was the tackle, and Harbor was the guard. And I'll tell you what, uh, I don't know if the quarterback could see over the left side of the line. That was that was a very impressive package that they had going there on the left side of the of the offensive line. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, Harbor tips the scales at about 325 pounds. Strubbing's, a, Strubbing's much lankier at about 280, but he is six foot yeah. seven, and he's only a sophomore, so he might not be done growing, and I wouldn't be shocked if he winds up six foot eight. Rob, I'm going to leave it to you. Corey Smith, how do he look? I thought Corey Smith, I think he has the attributes that you're looking for. He's got a lot of speed. He's, um, he's very quick and shifty in his cuts. 
Um, my only concern was we just talked about how big the, the lineman he had to go in front of him, but he's still, I think his first instinct right now is because he's so fast is to cut outside and use that speed to try and get away. And, and while it worked, I mean, he did score four touchdowns. There were some cases where, um, where really if he would cut it back inside, he had some nice lanes that were being offered by that line for him to run in. I mean, the center is not, wasn't huge, but he was a bigger guy. And I think the three of them on that left side were opening up some decent lanes for him. So I think he's, I think he's a ton of upside. Um, got that got the, the measurables that you're looking for. And I think he'll learn how to start running between the tackles and, and especially if he goes to Wisconsin and he has the same thing that he has on the left side on both sides. So he can't, yeah. he can't, can't blame that. So <laughs> Rob and I were Rob and I were sitting there saying to each other, Oh, look at that. He tried to string one out again to the outside. He got tackled and he'd do that twice. And then, you know, the very, then he'd have like a 25 yard run. And so he could take it between the tackles if he wanted to. We weren't even there. We didn't get in until about midway through the first quarter, and he busted off a 76-yard touchdown run before we even got in. So, guys, I got I got a couple of quick questions because obviously I wasn't able to join you guys. Uh, first one is about Corey Smith. You mentioned he'd like to bounce stuff outside a lot. Did he do anything out of the backfield? Like, did he get any end arounds, jet sweeps, any you know dump off passes, screens, or anything like that, or was it all just handoffs? From my recollection, it was mainly just handoffs that, and, and, and let's be honest, the plays seemed to be designed to take him to the outside. There were a couple of times where he would be started inside, it would bounce out. Uh, but, but there were a lot of plays designed for him to go end around. So uh, I will, I will give it that the, the play calling did play into that as well. All right. Um, the, which is weird because I think um, both Rob and I commented um Catholic Memorial's offense looks a lot like Wisconsin's offense. A lot. They do a lot of motion. Uh, They ran a lot of end arounds and um, jet sweeps. Uh, They actually, their their star wideout, uh, Josh Bailey, got hurt at the end of the half, first half on a hook and ladder. But um, yeah, they they liked to uh, squirt around to the outside, which didn't make a whole ton of sense to, to either one of us, because I'm like, you, you've got, you've got their entire offensive line was gigantic. I don't, I think the smallest guy up there was like 240 pounds. It's like, just pound them. You you, you don't have to do this. So uh, I think it hindered him sometimes, but, you know, Corey Smith had over 200 yards rushing and four touchdowns. I don't, yeah. in the end, think it really matters what kind of offense they were running. We didn't see him get thrown the ball as much as we expected that to happen. I only think I saw one or two passes to him. Okay. Okay. Well, that's exciting. And then real quick on this, uh, Taryn Shelton kid from Franklin, um, you know, obviously doesn't have Wisconsin offer yet. Um, what kind of, just real quick, if you, you know, 15 second elevator speech, what kind of running back is he? What's his game? 15 seconds. Can't do 15 that. Seconds. 15 seconds. Let's go. <laughs> Terrence Shelton is a bigger running back. Um, he is a very patient runner. He waits for his holes to develop. And then he just tries to get as much as he can out of what he can get. He had a, he did bust off a big run from our vantage point. We couldn't see the whole thing. But he caught he caught several passes on the backfield. He seems like a very complete running back. And like I said, very big. So, I mean, 
I could, I don't know that Wisconsin's going to offer him. I would honestly, you know, if they strike out a couple of their other 2024 guys, I'd love to see them offer him because he is, is a completely different kind of running back than Corey Smith is. And he just, he looked really impressive. He was good around the goal line. He just did all the stuff you would want out of a tough running back. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's thunder to Smith's lightning. I think that he is, um, yeah, in one series, we watched him go five yards, four yards, five yards, carry. I think he carried close to three guys for about eight yards. They threw a pass and then two more plays, he ran it in. So this guy is, I, I was impressed with his tenacity, his ability to run between the tackles and look for his opening. And at the same time, when he gets hit, the ability to keep pushing for the extra yardage afterwards. I think, um, you know, in Wisconsin style, he's not a, he's, you know, he's not a Jonathan Taylor, but he's definitely one of the, one of the running backs we've, we have, we've had who, uh, who can push it around and, and get that tough four or five yards on the inside. So you're right. I, I think there's other priorities for the class of 24, but uh, I wouldn't be disappointed if they got Bo Smith and Shelton for a thunder and lightning type of uh, running tandem. All right. I guess in other football news, Wisconsin had two offers go out this week. Uh, first being Hayden Moore. He's a linebacker from Colorado class of 2023 currently committed to Nebraska. Get out the pancake flipper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, this is flip season, uh, especially with Wisconsin missing out on Taggart Curtis. I think the hope is, uh, we can snag a kid who might not be currently committed. The after their top four or five guys, they don't really have much of anything because they went completely without an outside linebacker last year. You're they've already got Jordan Meyer, but they don't really have anybody else. And you don't want to exit a second straight class with only one outside linebacker. I would not be shocked if they offered, you know, more than one guy trying to hit on a couple more three star uh three star dudes. And then we also got a uh, offer out to a 2024 defensive back slash receiver from Texas. I'm going to butcher this guy's last name. Uh, Xavier Filsom, was it? Did I say that right? Filsom. Uh, yeah, I think Filsom. that's how it's right. pronounced. I don't know if this one's realistic. He's a pretty highly ranked player. But, hey, I mean, we got an offer out there. Who knows what's going to happen? Shoot your shot. That's what we always yeah. say. And then, Rob, you want to let us know about a couple of uh, preseason All-American awards that uh, came our way this week? Yeah, so Braylon Allen and Nick Herbig, I don't think it's a surprise to any Badger fans. Uh, they were both listed as uh, preseason second team AP choices for All-American. I think that's, I think that's probably pretty, pretty straight on. I think Braylon Allen's going to have a pretty incredible season. I think Nick Herbig is out for blood this year. He's uh, he's aiming to um, I think I think, um, you know, it's he's indicated he wasn't entirely pleased with last season. So I think he's really going to push to have an excellent season. I think he's probably going to go pro after this season. Yeah, I think we're going to see uh, a great season from both of these guys. Uh, I honestly I'm not I'm not sold that Braylon Allen should be on the second team. I still think you could even make a case for him to be first team. But all Americans are pretty tough achievements, so uh, I, I guess I guess I'm okay with that. But I I would have thought Braylon Allen would have been on the first team uh, preseason. So he could not overcome Bijan Robinson having his own mustard. <laughs> he just couldn't overcome that. That's a good point. 
There was an open practice on Sunday and John, you uh, made the trip to Madison. You kind of you know, took there. it all in. Do you want to tell us uh, some general talking points, some, some things you noticed? Well, uh, number one, uh, I would like to point out that the event staff at Camp Randall Stadium kind of exhibited the same uh, uh, capabilities of seating students that they did for the roughly three to 4,000 people who showed up for this open practice, which is we don't know what we're doing and we're going to try and squeeze you into the smallest space possible. Whether that's because of staffing shortages or whatever, I was like, this is a really bad presentation uh, to just only have part of one gate open and cram people in to this tiny space. But, you know, hey, I guess that $80 million we're going to get from the Big Ten hasn't arrived yet. So, you know, we got we to gotta be budget savvy here, people. Anyway, so I did get into the open practice. Um, a couple minutes late, I missed. Graham Mertz threw a 65-yard touchdown to Marcus Allen, which I did not get to see. Again, I blame the event staff at Camp Randall. But uh, Graham Mertz, there were uh, the opinions on him in this open practice were all over the place. And I was sitting there watching it, and I realized I'm not like a, a professional at this. I don't get paid. But Graham Mertz looked like he was making solid decisions. He had two or three throws where I was like, that's pretty questionable. But for the most part, uh, he was fairly on target. And he threw downfield a lot more than we're used to seeing him throw downfield. So I took that as a positive development. There were a lot of people who were, oh, still bad decisions and up and down play. No, 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 that's not true. If you want bad decisions and up and down play, Chase Wolf, uh, again, he'd make one or two good plays and then he'd throw a pick six or an almost pick six. And it's like, man, I don't know what to do with that guy. Uh, he's a crazy gunslinger. James Thompson had a great practice. Um, James Thompson just looks enormous now. And he he is, he's 6'5", 295. But he absolutely Stone Chesma Lucy on one play just was there in the backfield like boom I'm here I thought it was the offensive lineman at first the defensive line in general looked really good Rodas Johnson had a good practice as well this is all in 45 minutes worth of practice so you got to take this with a grain of salt it wasn't very long um, the wide receivers all had good moments Skylar Bell had a touchdown catch I mentioned Marcus Allen uh, Shimmery DK it was good to see him make some good catches because we haven't heard anything about him in camp. Rumors that's because Jay Shaw, the transfer cornerback from UCLA, has been blanketing him all pra all throughout the uh, fall camp. But uh, yeah, they all had uh, good games. We got to see Keontas Lewis. Um, Vinny Anthony got into the game, the true freshman out of Kentucky, and looked pretty good. So uh, Wisconsin looking pretty solid. The only negative I would say for the wide receivers, Stefan Bracey is hurt again. Uh, the inside linebackers, uh, there were five different guys who got reps. Um, there was, uh, there's obviously Tatum Grass, Jordan Turner, and then uh, Jake Cheney and Muma Jongmeta. And then uh, Brian Sanborn, who came essentially out of nowhere, I didn't expect him to make a contribution for another couple of years, uh, has worked his way into that rotation. So it sounds like Wisconsin, they may not have the star power that they had last year with Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel, 
but they've got some depth now and a lot of good athleticism. Turner is especially promising and Jong Meta is a blitzer. Uh, so I feel like they've got a mix of just about everybody in there. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they adapt. But I don't think inside linebackers a weakness for this team at all. Well, it's like all five of those guys, none of them are seniors, right? No, like you, not a yeah, single So one. we got two deep plus one at inside linebacker for this year and next year, at the very least, five barring, guys that barring, barring transfers. transfers or bad injuries. And we also have, a, I mean, we also got guys that are younger that, like, I know Ratzlaff, I know yep. is Who's supposed to play right inside. Now. Yeah. And I know Lytle's still injured. It's like, I don't, it, that's, that's promising. I mean, that's, that's definitely an iron sharpens iron situation. So, so overall, I would say that the offense had, had more positive flashes than um, you would expect if you were saying, oh, this is just last year's terrible offense. It certainly didn't look that way. They definitely had, a more efficient passing game now whether or a more active passing game whether it's more efficient i should say is yet to be you know yet to be proven we'll find out in a couple of weeks but um yeah the defense i was very encouraged by i think that uh once again they they're just going to reload rather than rebuild uh john torchio the jewelry thief uh he had a pick six so that was a promising thing to see uh, this from the sound of it hunter wohler is going to sort of like you know, be be an in-the-box safety and uh, Torchio is going to roam center field. So hopefully Torchio can keep up with those uh, tight ends and slot receivers that are going to be thrown at him. All right. So last piece for football, we're going to do some quick kind of big picture predictions. All right. So I'm going to have a couple sentences and we're each going to just kind of like finish what we kind of started off here. Okay. So first one is going to be Will be six. I'll I'll switch that. Wisconsin will be successful if John. If they win ten or more games, I think that's the baseline expectation you can have from Wisconsin this year. They've got a favorable schedule. They appear to be set at every position but quarterback. So if Graham Mertz comes through, then they win ten or more games. I consider that to be a success. All right, Rob. Wisconsin will be successful if. Yeah, I'm going to take that one step further. I think they'll be Wisconsin will be successful if they win 10 games and win the West. I think that uh, even though I'm optimistic and I, I kind of throw these projections out there, I think we've also established a certain level of acceptance of where we should be as a program. And I think that winning 10 games a season, you, you know, one of the few schools to average close to that even uh, over the last decade and, you know, representing the West division every other year until the last two years. I think that's, that's, that should be the players and the fans expectation for the team. And that's how they're going to be successful this year. All right. I agree with both of you. I think we do that. If Graham Mertz has a two to one or better touchdown to INT ratio. I don't know if that's asking too much, but that's what I'm looking for. I just don't want him to turn the ball over. Please don't turn the ball. Or just over. zero turnovers. Even better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next, our season could be derailed if Rob. Well, I think I want to go with that. I think our season could be derailed if Graham Mertz goes down. I think, I think we could still. It'll be a lot harder, but I still think we could have a successful season if there's an injury to Allen because we've got some good good running backs, you know, behind him. Uh, offensive line, we're stacked. 
Defensive line, we're pretty stacked. Linebacker, we're stacked. Uh, we might have a little bit of trouble in the secondary if we lose a couple. But honestly, if we lose Mertz, I don't think we have the experience necessary to have a successful season at that point. John? I would parrot that. Um, I just Chase Wolf just turns the ball over too much. You wouldn't have any passing game anymore. You'd have to rely solely on the running backs. It would it would be a disaster if Graham Mertz went down. All right. I'll do something similar. Even if he doesn't get injured, I think RC's can be derailed if if Graham Mertz doesn't show some improvement. You know, we don't need Graham Mertz to be a all Big Ten player. I just think of like the improvement, for example, uh, Jack Cohn made from his, what would have been, his uh, sophomore and his junior season. If Graham Mertz has a similar jump. Yeah, it's not unreasonable to expect that. It's just, you know, can he do it? Um, and let's just finish out with this last one here. Who is one player we're all going to pick to, like, emerge this season on the stage? Kind of someone that maybe most fans don't know about, hasn't really done much, so kind of show up this year and be like, I'm a, I'm a player for us this year. Uh, John, let's hear from you first. One player you pick to emerge. We have replaced. We have to replace so many starters this year that uh, it it it's an almost impossible list to pick from. But I'm going to go with Daryl Peterson at outside linebacker. Daryl Peterson may not even start this year, but uh, he is by far the most promising pass rusher of the outside linebackers. I think he could make havoc for opposing backfields. I think he's going to get about half and half time with CJ Getz, who's much better against the run than the pass. All right. Rob, one player to emerge? I guess I'm kind of cheating because I don't think anyone else played at this position, or very few, but I think Clay Cundiff is going to, is going to emerge. I think we have to have a tight end that emerges, and I think Clay Cundiff coming back from injury is going to be the player that steps up and really shows the ability to replace the pass catching um, that we lost. Uh, so I really think it's going to be him. I was going to say that. So I'm going to go with my second, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with my second option. I'm going to go, and I think this is, this is ultra dark horse. I'm going to go with uh, Dean Engram. I think Dean Engram offers with a Wisconsin passing game, something a little unique in the slot. Uh, while I think we have a lot of receivers that we've mentioned earlier that can make some plays. I think Engram's kind of shiftiness quickness is something that's a little different. And I think supposedly, you know, Graham Mertz, our offense is trying to get rid of the ball quicker. And if Dean Engram can emerge as like this safety blanket, who's just like, hey, I'm open, I'm in space, let me just catch it here and go. I think that could turn into like a little spark for us. So I'm going to go Dean Engram. All right, cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break here and then we're going to come back with uh, basketball and various other Badger sports. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Bucky Cast, folks. John here with Will and Rob. We're going to talk a little Badger basketball. Not a ton going on with Badger basketball right now. Not a whole lot to talk about. We did want to talk about a couple of things. First of all, uh, when the team got back from France, that, you know, well, everyone defines success differently. I'm going to say it was successful because they went 4-0. They didn't lose. Um, you know, if people want to say they weren't successful because they didn't blow everybody out by 40 points, whatever. But uh, when Joe Kravenhoft was asked, you know, about France and who uh, really looked good to him, he had a lot of really good things to say about uh, Chris Hodges, who up until this point, 6'9", 240-pound power forward slash center, hasn't 
hadn't done anything, had to redshirt last year, uh, kind of a big bodied player, uh, but very raw offensively. And he said, you know, no one, he's way ahead of where they would have predicted him to be uh, 12 months ago. Guys, what are your thoughts here? Um, I don't think it's necessarily important. He plays quote unquote, a major role because hopefully he plays the least amount of minutes he has to this year, but he's also a guy <laughs> that we need to play some minutes because we did not get a transfer to come in uh, as a, you know, a center power forward to spell Stephen Crowell. You had mentioned, like, I would call this trip successful. However, there's one player I wanted to hear looked good and has improved. It, it kind of need to be Chris Hodges because he's going to have to get important minutes this year. And we weren't sure if he was ready. So, I mean, does this quote mean he's going to be similarly effective as Chris vote was last year? No, it's uh it's, it's, it, it's good to hear that though. He's someone who needed, uh, you know, be on the upper trajectory. Robert yeah. For me. Up. Yeah. In all honesty, um, if, if we go back five weeks ago, six weeks ago, I, I was really concerned about how this team was going to perform this year, but after the France trip, I know, cause it's, you know, so many games and, and a lot of data. Right. But anyway, after the France trip, the thing that has me optimistic and very encouraged now, there were two things that I saw, and Hodge's performance was the second of the two. Uh, his ability and his tenacity, his just grit under the basket, really makes me more confident than when Crowell has to take a seat. We've got someone who's at least going to uh, keep us in the game if he doesn't <laughs> if he doesn't foul out. So, uh, yeah, that, that aspect it was very encouraging to me. Uh, in being able to be more optimistic about how the team is going to do this year. Uh, one other bit of news um, that came through, uh, the much-anticipated Gus, Gus Yaldin um, left, I think it was, I, I. this is so hard to keep track of, he's been at like four different schools, I believe hmm. IMG Academy was the last one, and he went right from IMG to another uh, one of those um, basketball factory schools, this one in Indiana called La Lumiere which is a really weird name for a school in Indiana. But anyway, uh, he's gone to La Lumiere. Uh, Will, tell us a little bit about La Lumiere and why this could be good for Gus. So, yeah, like you said, this kind of private prep school, and in, especially in recent years, it's been a bit of a back basketball factory. Uh, I'm not going to list every single player who went there in the last handful of years, but they've had five guys who have, turned into first round draft picks since 2018. Um, I think most notable is Jaden Ivy, the recent uh, um, Purdue star. Uh, they also have a player who's currently a starting point guard for UCLA. So, you know, I think this is, this is a good thing. Yellen's going to play with some great players, some play against some great players. He's also going to be at a school that's going to, you know, get him ready physically and mentally from a basketball standpoint. All right. That's all the basketball news we have for you, folks. Uh, unfortunately, training camp for them doesn't start until uh, the end of September. So there may be some recruiting news, but I don't anticipate anything major happening. And I'm going to have to knock on something wooden now because at that point, someone will suffer a major injury. On to women's volleyball. It's, the season's almost here. This Friday, August 26th, they open with a, another Texas road trip. We'll talk about women's soccer in a second, but basically they're going to mimic what happened with the women's soccer team. They are going to be playing at TCU on Friday. 
And I believe on Saturday or Sunday, they play uh, Baylor, which is a really good team. Uh, their transfers is just from Baylor, wasn't it? Yes, you're right. Oh, okay. the, the new libero who's not yet eligible, as far as we can uh, tell. So that's going to be a storyline. But yeah, they're getting the season off with a bang. And the thing that really irritates and aggravates me is that only one of these games is available and it's on uh, ESPN+. Plus. So, yeah, this is ridiculous. In the next couple of years, though, we're going to get some actual like streaming content and TV content for women's volleyball. And it's about darn time. Uh, Yeah. So really excited. Badger women's volleyball is going to defend their national championship this year. Hopefully they can give us a back to back and win. I think it would be their fifth consecutive Big Ten title. It's either fourth or fifth. They have really established themselves as one of the dominant programs in the country in the last few years. Jumping on to uh, women's soccer, and the uh, women's soccer team had a great weekend last weekend. They first of all played number seven TCU and fought them to a tie, which in my... I, I believe I said this because I think they played them the night we were literally talking yeah. about that game when we last recorded a podcast, uh, a, a tie against the number seven team on the road in your first game is as good as a win. But anyway, they, um, they then turned around and uh, on Sunday, they beat Baylor two to nothing. So the Wisconsin women's team has already started one Oh and one, which is pretty good way to start your uh, start your year. So congratulations to women's soccer. And then uh, men's hey, uh, soccer. Real, real quick, John, uh, oh, if, yeah. if anybody got a chance to watch any of those games, uh, Aaron McKinney looks fantastic in the goal. Um, I mean, she's just a monster there. She saved more goals than Wisconsin had shots on goal. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I mean, just an amazing two games that uh, hopefully we did get outshot in both games. So hopefully our, our offense, um, you know, starts bringing the hammer and shoots a little bit more, but man, what a defense. Great, great job by Aaron McKinney. As long as they're efficient. That's all I ask. As long <laughs> as they, they're efficient, that's good enough for me. Uh, finally, men's soccer, they get to open up their season uh, on Thursday night against uh, a school I've never heard of before, Utah Tech. And then uh, finally, um, coming up on the 28th, women's and men's soccer both play on that date. They are uh, men's soccer is playing Tulsa here at home. And then later on in the day, women's soccer plays Green Bay, legendary rival Green Bay. And that's our Badger Sports Roundup for this week. Gentlemen, uh, let's go right into our forward segment. Will, what are you looking forward to this week? I'm looking forward to Nebraska losing to Northwestern on Saturday. All the way in Ireland. I, I, I really don't. I can't really root for anybody. I'm just the one thing I'm rooting for is that Nebraska doesn't blow Northwestern out of the building. But I imagine that there's not going to be a ton of uh, outside of Nebraska fans to make the trip. There's not going to be a ton of people just rooting on the red. 
uh, in that game. I think they might be more sympathetic to the team with the coach who has an Irish last name. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Rob, what are you looking forward to? I am looking forward to uh, the start of all of these fall sports. I think it's time. We went through a nice, pleasant summer, had our vacations, but there's nothing like the dip in weather and the beginning of fall sports. So I will uh, see if there's any way I can catch any of the soccer games, any of the volleyball games, and of course the football games. So it is time and the smell is in the air. <laughs> I'll tell you what, folks, um, for, for my forward, I'm I'm looking forward to almost 13 hours of uninterrupted football on this upcoming Saturday. I don't have anything to do that day. Uh, I may just crawl into my local sports pub, um, hand the keys to someone and say, uh, I'm just going to be watching football from here on out, including a the epic Hawaii-Vanderbilt matchup that will be brought to us on CBS FN <laughs> late, late on Saturday night uh, going into Sunday morning, I would imagine. <laughs> Because who doesn't want to watch Hawaii versus Vanderbilt? And we always have to watch out. Florida State is playing an FCS team. We have to watch out for the upset there. Florida State has that problem. On that note, we are going to call it a, a week. And we will be back next week. We've got a lot to talk about next week. We have, um, obviously, the Badgers are going to be opening up their season that weekend, Labor Day weekend. It's basically opening weekend. And uh, we're going to get a little preview of uh, Illinois State from a special guest. And we'll also hopefully have some more uh, women's volleyball and uh, men's and women's soccer news, some pleasant news. Till next week, folks. Peace out. There you go. Go Badgers.